Good morning. How's everybody doing? Awesome. Awesome. I hear you online. I hear you. I feel you. I feel you. I know y'all are shouting. Hey, um, I just want to take a second and, and tell you guys about something that's pretty amazing that happened. Um, for those of y'all that uh, know kind of every year we take our youth group to camp and it's crazy, it's hot, it's amazing. They get to impact or they get impacted by Jesus and encounter Jesus in, in ways that's just super special. But this year, because of uh, COVID and, and stuff like that, they canceled camp. And so our youth group got together and they did not camp here. And it was amazing. And uh, what was really funny about it is if you've never been to camp, every time I've ever personally been, I come back and my voice is almost gone if it's not completely gone. And I was laughing this morning because I woke up and like I felt like my voice is all scratchy and rumbly. I'm like, I didn't even go to real camp and it's just gone, you know. Um, but Pastor Brad and his team did an amazing job. I got to, yeah, come on. I got the, the honor of being able to play worship and, and being there for a couple of nights. And man, I'm telling you, Jesus was in the place and kids were impacted and it was great. So I just wanted to let you know that that happened this past week. And for those of y'all that prayed for our teenagers and prayed for our leaders, I know that they appreciate it very much because uh, I can tell you that doing youth ministry is is not super easy when it's, it's like weird restrictions and COVID and stuff like that. And so the kids always look forward to this camp. And so hats off to you guys for making it happen and giving them a place where they could be impacted by Jesus. Um, we're going to be starting a brand new series today. It's going to be called 2020, if you haven't figured that out. Um, I thought about doing another summer series and another refresh series like we did last year, but can I, can I just be 100? It's 2020, and I don't feel super refreshed, right? <laughs> right? It's been like a long lockdown, and, and for those of y'all that don't know, I have an amazing family. They're, they're literally my best friends. I love being around them. I've been locked up with these jokers for months, so without the ability to go many places, and so um, I decided, hey, let's just uh, let's do a let's do a series that kind of encapsulates this 2020. Let's just call it 2020. So that's what we're going to be doing. We're going to be in the book of Galatians. If you have a Bible, go ahead and turn there with me, if you would. It will also be on the screen as I uh, read off some of these scriptures. There's some stuff that I'm going to kind of paraphrase, but any scriptures that I actually read will be up on the screen so you can follow along that way. I did want to let you know that I am using a translation of the Bible. Uh, it's called Modern English Version. And the reason why I'm doing that is because I read this scripture in this translation when I was preparing, and I was like, man, I really like the way this says that. So um, the, the verses will be up there for you. I, I, we decided to kind of do this message series on the hills of our 12 stone vision update that Pastor Josh did the last week of June. Um, if you're 
unfamiliar with the vision that God's given us, what we're believing for over the next five years is for 2,000 salvations and 1,000 baptisms, right? And, and here's what that says to me. Now, this is not just a number that we came together and we were like, hey, let's see what we can do. This was a number that our pastor really felt like God was telling him. And as he started rolling out the vision, you know, the, all, all the staff and the leaders started to get excited because that, that means that God is gonna do some stuff because I'm just gonna tell you, man, that is a lot of people. That is a lot of people to see come and receive Jesus and see uh, be baptized. And so we're believing that over the next five years. And here's the other thing. God gave us that vision knowing full well exactly what was gonna happen in 2020. That means that everything going on, the, the divided country, the, the coronavirus, all this stuff did not surprise God. See, I, I feel like we should be saying amen right there because, because listen, it surprised us, but it didn't surprise us. I just walked off camera. I'm sorry, guys. That's, that's going to be my bad. Um, <laughs> so he gave us this vision despite all the craziness going on around. But listen, here's another thing that that says to me, that God does not want us to get distracted, that God has a plan for us and a purpose for us, and he does not want us to get distracted because how many of y'all know that it's really easy to get distracted right now? It's really easy to find something to, to, to put your work to and to get distracted from sharing the gospel. But, but here's what I believe. I believe in order to reach this goal of 2,000 salvations, 1,000 baptisms, we must make sure that our focus as a church and as a people aligns with the gospel and with the Great Commission. Amen? So we find the Great Commission in Matthew 28. Jesus tells us there, his people, to go into all the nations of the world, to go to all people groups and tell them about the good news that has happened. And then he tells them to make disciples, right? That's the Great Commission. That's something that God has told us to do. If you're a Christian, that is something that God has told you to do. And I want to tell you the first step in, in discipleship and, and disciple making is sharing the gospel. It's sharing the gospel. And here, can, can I have y'all's permission to just go ahead and rip the Band-Aid off this morning? Yeah. All right. All right. I'm just going to go ahead and rip the Band-Aid off. I wonder if there's some people who are willing to share the gospel as easily as they're willing to share their own opinions. I wonder. I wonder that. I wonder that. Um, as I was preparing for that, I was like, okay, people are leaving after that. Y'all didn't leave, so good job. Um, but... So here, here's, the, here's the deal. If we want to get used to discipleship making, we want to disciple people, we want that first step of sharing the gospel, we have to actually know how to share the gospel. We have to know what to say. We have to actually know how to open our mouth and speak the words about the person and the work of Jesus. And so that's where the, the book of Galatians kind of comes in and it helps us. Um, there's six chapters in there that's just about the gospel. It's clearing up some stuff, and you'll understand more about that as we get into it. But from start to finish, this amazing letter 
it is just all about the good news. It's saturated with the gospel and it's saturated with what we're called to proclaim around the world. And so for the next three weeks, we are going to be diving deep into kind of what the good news looks like and uh, specifically two things. And the first is what Christ has done to set us free through the gospel and then how it applies to us people today, you and I today, so that we can live in the freedom that Jesus offers. Does that sound good? Uh, So starting in verse one, here's what it says. It says, Paul, an apostle, not from man, nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. Now, I want you to remember that right there, that part that's in parentheses. I want you to underline it, highlight it, do whatever it takes. I need you to remember those words because we're gonna get to that a little bit later. It says, it says Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ, and God the Father who raised him from the dead and all the brothers who are with me and to the churches of Galatia, right? And then it goes on and it says, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins so that he might deliver us from this present evil age according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you, Lord. I pray that that every word that spoke, Lord, about, about your good news starts with you. And Lord, that it's just, that it's seasoned with you, God. I pray that as, as these words are spoken today, I pray that they hit where they need to hit. And Lord, I pray that, that everyone that listens to this message leaves different and closer to you, Lord. Your holy name we pray, amen. All right, so right away in verse one, Paul introduces himself and he tells us a couple of things But in in three words, he tells us that he is an apostle. And that's an important statement right here. I, I need you to understand that what Paul is doing here is he is actually making a declaration about his authority. Um, so, so this would be, he's basically coming up and he's given his credentials. He's saying, Hey, this is me, Paul, an apostle. And, and these guys would have known Paul. These guys would have been familiar with who Paul was. And he's saying, this is me saying this. So it's good. It's coming with authority of Jesus Christ. And, and, and something that I want you to understand is the reason why he's writing this letter in the first place uh, kind of tackles this idea of the gospel. And so he has to set up his, his own uh, declaration about his authority And what he's saying here is the word apostle comes from a Greek word that means sent out, right? And there's, if if I had to take apostles and kind of split them into groups, there's like two main types, right? There's small a apostles and capital A apostles. And small a apostles are the people with unique giftings. Those are gonna be like your pastors, your missionaries, your church planners, authors. These are people that's committed to getting the gospel out. 
These are people that want the gospel to go forward and, and move out to places where it hasn't been. But then on the other hand, there's capital A apostles and capital A apostles are those that saw the resurrected Jesus. And after seeing the resurrected Jesus, they were trained and sent out from him. They were trained by Jesus and sent out by him. And here's Paul, he's raising his hand and he's saying, hey, I just want you to know I'm a capital A apostle. Like I have authority, no dude sent me out, no man, no human sent me out, Jesus sent me out and God our Father has, has gave me a mission to go into the world. And if you know the story behind the calling and and salvation of the Apostle Paul, it was a little bit different than the other uh, capital A apostles. And so he's saying here that, that, listen, I am a capital A apostle. He goes on in verse two, and he introduces us to his audience, the churches in Galatia, right? That's pretty crystal clear. When you go to the book of Acts, you'll see uh, that Paul takes some missionary journeys and on his first missionary journey, he goes to these cities in Galatia, which is in Asia Minor. He preached the gospel, he started some churches and, and it was to those churches that he is writing this letter. And here's what I need you to get about this. This is why this is a big deal because he's writing a letter about the gospel to churches, right? He's not writing this to a bunch of spiritually dead people. He's writing this to spiritually alive people who profess Jesus Christ, who have accepted the gospel. And here is why that matters to us and why that's so important to us, because it reminds us as Christians that we need the gospel, we need it. We need it. I need it. You need it just as much as the people who don't believe it yet need it. Pastor Tim Keller puts it like this. The gospel isn't the ABCs of Christianity. It's the A to Z of Christianity. It's not only the way that we enter God's kingdom. It's the way we make spiritual progress in God's kingdom. So contrary to what what some might think Christianity is, it is not just us agreeing to a set of beliefs about the person and the work of Jesus and then moving on to better things. Listen to me, church. There are no better things. There are no better things. We, the, the gospel is not just our salvation. It's our drive. It's our mission. It's what propels us. And listen, we never move beyond the gospel. We only move deeper into it. We never move beyond the gospel. We only move deeper into it. And as we move deeper into it, we, we start to see the beauty and the worth of Jesus and what he did more clearly. And as we start to see that, we, we start to love him more deeply. And here's how Christianity and change happens. Because as we start to love him more deeply, we start to walk in greater obedience to him, Right? The, the important question, though, if we're going to say all this and say, okay, we, we move deeper in the gospel, we got to proclaim the gospel, let's answer this question, what is the gospel, right? Like, what is it? I don't want to assume that anybody knows it. Um, even if you grew up in church all your life, I don't want to assume that you know it. 
Because that was me, right? I was in like, I grew up in church. I, I, I went Sunday mornings, Sunday nights, back when you know churches still kind of met on Sunday night. That was the normal. We, I, I went to Tuesday night visitation. I went to Wednesday night youth. I went to super wow, you know, and big stuff, which were like kind of our camps. Um, I went to vacation Bible school. I volunteered. I led worship. And yet it was in my 20s that I really felt like, oh man, I finally understand the gospel of Jesus Christ. It was, it was after I had been a Christian for a, for a while and struggled with stuff and dealt with stuff and God set me free from stuff and showed me things that I started to fully understand what the gospel is. So I would imagine that there's some that's listening to this today that doesn't know what the gospel is and so Paul outlines it for us, and, and we're going to kind of paraphrase the, the first uh, five verse, verses of Galatians, and, and I think this really helps. And if you're taking notes, do me a favor and write this stuff down, because I think that it, it's really important, amen? I think it'll help us. First off, it always starts with Jesus. It always starts with Jesus. Jesus accomplished our salvation. We didn't accomplish it. We needed it, <laughs> but, but it starts with Jesus. Jesus, the eternal son of God, 2,000 years ago, came from his throne in heaven. He put on flesh. He, he put on our lives, and he come to live among us. He lived a, a life that you and I were not able to live, a life of, of sinless perfection, right? A life of complete obedience to God the Father, Jesus did that, right? And then Paul tells us next that after Jesus's perfect life, he then gave himself for our sins. So it wasn't just that Jesus came and that he lived our life and he lived it blamelessly, but then he gave himself for our sins. And what that is referring to right here is a, a doctrine known as substitutionary atonement, right? Big theological statement to get you started this morning. Big, big, big word, substitutionary atonement. We know that from scriptures, the penalty for sin is death, right? And, and not just physical death, but spiritual death, separation from God, eternal separation from God. And so substitutionary atonement means this that when Jesus came 2,000 years ago and he went to that cross, he literally substituted himself for us. He went on our place. He went to die. Why? Because he had no sin. He was blameless. So Jesus went for us. He, he laid his life down, suffered the penalty that we deserved as sinners. And do you know why? So that we can be set free so that we can be set free. We were, we were singing that this morning, who the sun sets free is free indeed, right? I wonder, I, let me ask you, do you believe that you're free? Yes. Do you? Yes. I, think, I think that when, when Jesus came, that was his mindset. I'm gonna set these people free. So he, he suffered physically, he was mocked, he was beaten, he was tortured, his beard was ripped out. Man, I know that's a struggle. If it, listen, y'all just don't understand. If my beard went away right now, 
I would not look like the same person. I would look very, very, very baby face. And it takes like 15 years for my beard to grow back. So this is a big thing. This hurts deeply when I start reading about beards being pulled out, right? And then he had a crown of thorns driven on his head. But Jesus didn't just suffer physically. Probably even more significantly, he suffered spiritually. He suffered spiritually. Paul talks about in 2 Corinthians that God made him who knew no sin to be sin. What that's saying there is God made Jesus who knew no sin, who did no sin, committed no sin to become sin, right? He made him the very thing that separates us from God. And that's important because we were separated from God in our sin. And now through Jesus, come on church, those, those of us in-house or, or, or joining us online, I want you to just do me a favor right now. Think about like some, some of your sins, some of your struggles. Don't scream it out, right? That's, I'm a murderer. That's, that'd be awkward, right? <laughs> um, um, but just think about something that you struggle with Maybe it's something that God's already set you free from already. Maybe it's something that you're dealing with right now. And I just want you to get it in your mind. And I want you to understand that when Jesus hung on that cross 2,000 years ago, he took all of that and put it onto Jesus. God took all of that sin, all of that thing that you have in your mind right now, and he put it onto Jesus. And then he proceeded to pour out every bit of wrath and judgment that that sin required onto his own son. So I can assure you that Jesus paid the full price for your sin this morning. That's good news, man. And, and, and listen, that kind of flies in the face of this whole idea that God's mad at you and, and, and that God is angry at, at who you are because he knows that we were broken. He knows that we need a savior or he wouldn't have came. But that's not where he stopped. God took all of his blamelessness and all of his, his righteousness and he let that be our substitution for us so that when he sees us, he sees righteous us. He sees, he sees us that's right with God the same way he sees his own son. And he did that, Paul tells us, that he gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age. Man, doesn't that sound like it could have been written for 2020? Man, isn't there some crazy stuff going on? Man, can I just, can I just say this? There's been some stuff that's been so divisive in our country now that, that the church has had problems figuring out which side it stands and what it needs to do. And, and, and so Paul is saying, hey, the gospel delivers us from this present evil age. From this present evil age. Hear me today, church. Paul is reminding us here that we're in need of rescue. There's a world that's in need of rescue and we need that rescue from the broken world in which we live, right? Now, I don't care if you're a Christian, not a Christian, what, what political beliefs you hold on to right now, you know that our world is broken, right? It's 2020, you, get, you turn on the TV, right? 
It's crazy. You know our world's broken. You get on social media, world is broken. You live for five minutes, right? I was, I was running over my sermon today and Judah was, was in there and, and I got to this point. He stood up and he walked up and he, he, he hugged me and he goes, I'm sorry, stuff's broken. And I was, just, <laughs> I was just sitting there. I'm sorry, that has nothing to do with my message. I was just sitting there thinking, I'm like, man, even he knows that things are broken, right? Um, you just know things are not okay and that we need rescue from that, amen? But I would take this and, and, and take it a step further that um, we're in need of rescue from our own personal brokenness, yeah. Right? How many in the room can say that at some point you felt personally broken, you felt, you felt beat down, you felt the weight of the brokenness of the world, and if we're to be honest with each other today, I think that there's some things that we would still change about ourselves, some things that, that leave us feeling ashamed, leaves us feeling self-conscious, insecure, and here's the deal, we try to fix those things. Even, even worse, I think a lot of the time as a church, not, not this church, but as the church, we tell people that they have to fix those things that they have to get those things right before they can come and get the free gift that God gave them, the free gift that we're supposed to be proclaiming to the world. Now we've put stipulations on it. There's, there's those things that, that you've tried to pray away. You've tried to get rid of yourself, and, and yet there they are, taunting you, driving you crazy. Is, is that just me? Am I the, am I the only sinner? Um, Listen, why does it do that? The answer is simple because sinful people cannot save themselves. Sinful people cannot be their own saviors. We need a perfect savior. Perfect example, self-help industry, multi-billion dollar industry. It, it, it plays on the brokenness of people. It plays on that that part inside of us that wants to fix things, that wants to fix our own lives. And, and, and ultimately, it, it, the, our, our inability to fix those things leaves us feeling even more broken. And, and I see that so much, just people walking around broken. They love God. They, they just, they, they haven't understood that that, that that thing, Jesus has already delivered them from their sin. All they have to do is walk in it. But so many times, walking around broken, broken. Um, I want to tell you today, I feel like this is for somebody. I want to tell you today that if that's you, acknowledge your inability to fix that. And, and acknowledge and look to Jesus as the only one that can deliver you from that. Amen? Amen? Jeremy, I've been dealing with this for a long time. I've been dealing with this for years. Um, how can I even accept that? How can I accept when I keep dealing with this? How can I accept the sacrifice that Jesus... Listen, here's what Paul says in, in verse 1, that God the Father raised Jesus from the dead. That right there is the answer to how can I accept this? You ready for it? You can accept this salvation because Jesus is the only, only Savior that, that lived a sinless life, that, that died because of our sins, 
was resurrected and accomplished what no other person could. He, he accomplished the defeating death. He, de, he accomplished defeating sin. No other human history, uh, in history has done that. And so that resurrection, the fact that God raised him from the dead proves a couple of things. One, that he accepted Christ's substitution for you. The whole plan was for all of our sin to go on Jesus, him to be sacrificed and then raised from the dead. If, if Jesus was in fact raised from the dead by God, then that means that he accepted our, 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 our substitution. He accepted the fact that Jesus said, hey, I got all of them. That's good news for us today because we can look back at an event and say, that's where God accepted us. That because that, you gotta think when Jesus died, he had all of our sin, he was separated. He even, he even says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He, he, he's feeling the weight of all that sin, but he woke up resurrected and ready to get to work, to build his church and to get his church started. Amen? That's why we can accept salvation. So that's good news, but, right? One of these days, I'm trying to talk Pastor Josh into doing a, a message series called I Like Big Butts, right? B-U-T-S, right? Jeremy, you better laugh. That w that's totally a joke you would have made. All right. <laughs> the second the thing that we can see by the resurrection of Jesus Christ is that he alone can rescue you from sin forever, right? If you'll pl place your faith and your trust in him, because Jesus does not have to go back to the cross every time. Jesus defeated that once and for all. So I don't know about you, but I'm going to stick with this dude. And so I'm going to stop trying to fix myself and I'm going to go with the guy who got it right the first time. Who got it right perfectly the first time. See, y'all are shouting me down today. Listen, I know y'all can't hear online, but man, they're, they're, they're getting into it. Y'all going to have to step up, start moving that camera, amen? <laughs> Paul then tells us that Jesus did all of this according to the will of God. Catch this because this is so important. When Jesus came here and he gave himself for for our brokenness and our sin to deliver you. He didn't do so because you are so awesome. He didn't do so because you forget it, because you deserve it. He didn't do so because I deserve it. Like Jesus was not in heaven just being worshiped and surrounded by the presence of God and then say, you know what? These guys are crushing it down there. I'm gonna go to them and try this out for a little bit, right? He didn't say they're doing such a good job at this. I wonder if there's something I can do. Here's the truth of it. We don't deserve anything that Christ has given us. We didn't earn it. We can't earn it, right? He didn't ask us to. He didn't ask us to. Here's why Jesus did it. Because God, who is holy and who is a father, our father, decided that in his grace, he wanted to save a bunch of sinners. So Jesus, out of love for the father and love for people like you and I, came 
and he submitted himself to the Father's will. And Luke tells us this story. Uh, he, he's talking about Jesus being in the Garden of Gethsemane. And the Garden of Gethsemane literally means like the garden of pressing, right? Could you imagine? Like me and my wife and my family, we've gotten into hiking over the last couple of years and we like to go places and see the beautiful gardens and, and see rivers and waterfalls and mountains and stuff like that. We love it. It's just, it, it, we could just be there all day, disappear, never come back because we love it, right? Um, that is not what this garden is. <laughs> this garden is like the, the garden of pressing. And, and most of the time when we think of this, we think of this story right here. Jesus knows what's coming the next day. He knows he's going to the cross. He knows that he's gonna be separated from God, that he's gonna have all the sin of us. And so uh, Luke, the writer of this gospel, he's a doctor, he's a physician, and he captures this moment of Jesus suffering from a condition. Listen, I am probably gonna butcher this word. Um, so Ashley, if you, if you know how I'm doing it, you just, you just hook me up, all right? Where Jesus is suffering as a condition known as hema, hematidrosis. I nailed it, didn't I? I killed it. I knew I was going to. I was just playing with y'all. I have it written here again in my notes, but I did so bad. Can we just say he bled? He bled. Let's do that. He, he, he bled. But this is a condition where the capillaries that feed your sweat glands rupture, and, and it causes your sweat glands to exude blood. It normally happens because of extreme stress, both physically and emotional. I have a two-year-old. I've never felt stress like that, right? Right. My two-year-old is, she is a fireball. Um, Y'all know my two-year-old. She's crazy. Is crazy a good word? That's not a good word. It's not good. My wife's, my wife's like, she took off her mask and yelled at me. Um, let, let's say that, let's just say she's two. Y'all get it, right? Two? Um, but I've never been under stress like this, right? He's, he's praying, God, if there's another way, can we do it that way? If there's another option, can we, can we do option B? But listen, this is, this is probably one of my favorite things that Jesus ever said. He says, you know what? No matter what, I know what's coming, but not what I want, but what you want. God, I willingly submit myself to your plan. He went to the cross in our place, he died a death that we deserve to save us from our sin, to deliver us from brokenness once and for all. And so now Paul's saying, we're now recipients of God's grace. We're also recipients of God's peace. We're at peace with God because of Jesus's sacrifice, but we could also enjoy the peace of God. And then Paul points out on three separate occasions in the first five verses, that we also get to enjoy God as our Father. God as our Father. Listen to me. I, 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 really, I really felt impressed as I was preparing notes and reading over this stuff, man. I really feel impressed to say this, but um, what's beautiful about salvation is that, that God adopts you. It's not just that, okay, I saved you, and now welcome to Christianity, and now God just puts up with you, 
right? This is not that, that God is doing all of this and, and completing all of your salvation and, and sending his son in our place and then accepting that sacrifice by raising Jesus from the dead so that he can then push you off and just, just deal with you, right? No, it's Jesus forgives and then I'm invited into that family, I am invited in as a son or daughter of Christ. And, and as I was prepping this, I, I felt like, man, if there's somebody out there that had a crappy dad, can, can I just tell you, don't let that worry you because God is not like your dad. God is not like your father. And I can say this because when it comes to, to kind of Bad dads and out of the picture dads, man, listen, same. I'll raise both of my hands. My dad left when I was nine years old, sporadically saw him uh, in and out of my teenage years. I haven't seen him in over 15 years, have not uh, been able to talk to him, don't know how to get in touch with him or, or anything like that. So my dad was not there for most of my, my teenage years and pretty much my entire adult life. And so um, I want to tell you that dads were meant to be that person, right, that, that exemplified and reflected the fatherly love of God in, in you as a child. He, he was supposed to show you the love of a father. And, and, and I want to tell you today that if, if your dad failed you in that way, man, I am so very sorry. I'm so sorry. I know that hurts. I know it hurts. I've been there. I know the hurt that that brings. But Listen, you need to know that you have a heavenly father that will not do that, that is faithful, that will not desert you, that did more for you than you can ever imagine and loves you and wants a relationship with you and wants to be there and wants to be that loving God and wants to be that loving father. And the ultimate proof of that is found in, in Jesus because he's the good father he only has good things for his kids. He's the initiator of our salvation. He's the, he, he accomplished our salvation and, and all glory belongs to him and him alone. My friends, listen, that is the gospel. That is the gospel. The, the good news of what Jesus has done. Now let's carry on with verse six. Paul says, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not a gospel at all. But there are some of you, uh, there are some who trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. What's interesting here is when you look at Paul's other letters, you see a different type of greeting. You see him, he'll thank God for for the people that he's writing the letter to. You know, he's like, I thank God for you. Okay, you guys are awesome. I praise God for you. I always remember you in my prayers. I always, I always pray with thanksgiving, you know. But then we go to the book of Galatians and there's none of that. Paul goes straight to like clearing some stuff up, right? And here's why, because historically, there was a group of false teachers uh, known as Judaizers who were coming into these Gentile, non-Jewish uh, Galatian churches. They were preaching a gospel requiring circumcision. They were saying that, hey, 
we hear what Paul said, but we want you to know that in order for you to receive that salvation, you have to be circumcised. And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, Jeremy, please tell me more, right? <laughs> please tell me more. Um, because see, here's, here's the part about that word right there that's, that's kind of amazing. That word means exactly what it means today. <laughs> so now you have these people. Now these are, these are Christians that were at once Gentiles. And now they're being told that no, the sacrifice of Jesus is not what saves you. You have to, you have to do this, right? Because that went so good at saving the Jewish people, right? Um, in Genesis 17, God institutes circumcision. He, he comes to Abraham and he says, I want you to circumcise all the males um, and moving forward throughout all of your generations, every baby boy needs to be circumcised at eight years old. If he's not, he's going to be cut off from his people. So that's what they're flavoring the gospel with. That if you're not, then you're gonna be cut off because circumcision was the sign of God's covenant between him and Israel. So what's happening is this, these, these false teachers were coming and they're saying, hey, if you really want Jesus, if you really wanna be accepted, you have to do this, this, and this. And, and listen, they're saying what many people in churches do still today. Still today, they just put another word, right? Right? So if you really wanna be a Christian, maybe, maybe you don't understand, you know, because of the context uh, what Paul is really saying there, but he's saying that these people are coming, they're saying, if you really wanna be a Christian, you need to do this. You need to get this together. You need to be like this. Fill, fill in the blank right there. But what they're saying is you have to position yourself to receive the gospel. And as we've discussed today in depth, that is not possible. And, and, and so uh, to understand what Paul means here by false gospel, he's writing in response to the Galatians, believing this new teaching that these teachers are coming in. So Paul's come in, he's shared the gospel, told them that Jesus Christ sacrificed himself for their sins to set them free so that they can live. And then here comes somebody saying, no, 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 no. Listen, if I had to do this, you have to do this, right? Um, and, and so what Paul's saying to these Galatians is, you're going to leave behind the gospel that I brought to you for this? For this false gospel? Why would you want to take the gospel that's free and, and put a burden on you to try to earn that? And then he goes on furthermore and he says, by distorting the gospel of Christ, you're actually deserting the message of Christ and that you're not just leaving his message behind and distorting his message, but you're leaving behind the person at the heart of the message, at the heart of the message. And remember what I said first, it starts with Jesus, right? And so what's sad and scary is that people still do this all the time 
today, and I'm not talking about people out there that don't know better. I'm talking about people in churches like ours, professing believers in Christ still do this very thing. And, and, and you know, as I was starting to, to read this and I, as I was starting to think about our modern church, you know, God just started speaking to me and, and showing me that, hey, this is why you can meet a Christian that's professing Jesus, but has such a hardened heart. Because, because at some point, they've started leaving this gospel to accept this. Remember, we never move past the gospel. We only move deeper into it. And so Paul is warning them and telling them that, hey, when you do this, you're deserting the person behind the message. And I, I started thinking, I'm like, I wonder how many people don't tell others about Jesus um, because of the burden that Christianity has kind of became to them. Now, I know what you're saying. Pastor Jeremy, Christianity is not a burden. <gasps> All the oxygens just went out of the room. Listen, I'm not saying Christianity is a burden. I'm saying that sometimes our definition of Christianity is a burden. Sometimes when we distort the gospel, we pick up burdens that Jesus never wanted us to carry. Burdens that we were supposed to lay down so that he could take care of them. And, and, and I wonder how many people don't talk about Jesus, not because they don't have boldness, but because they have burden. They don't talk about the freedom that they're walking in because freedom hasn't been their experience. Maybe that's you watching online and here. Maybe that's you. Freedom has not been your experience. If you look inside all of, all of your letdowns and all of the the things that, that make you feel like this, I guarantee you at the center of it, you'll find a gospel distortion. And I wanna give us a couple of things that can show us how we distort the gospel today. If you're taking notes, the first is gospel distortion by addition. Gospel distortion by addition. This is when you assume that Jesus Christ needs your help with your own salvation, right? I know that sounds silly. Um, I know that sounds weird because we're in church and when you say that, that sounds, that sounds crazy, but a lot of people believe this. A lot of people walk around burdened because of this very thing. Gospel distortion by addition can be either conscious or subconscious. You say that, what Jesus did all those years ago wasn't enough to cover your sins. So now you need to go do some things. You need to add some things. You need to work on some things in order to pick up the slack. I'll give you an example of this kind of coming from my childhood. I was taught from an early age that in order to receive salvation, you received Christ and then almost instantly, as soon as possible, you had to get baptized, right? And baptism is something that we believe in, we teach it, we believe it's super important, but it is not salvation, it is, it is a public profession of salvation. And so what was being taught was that you had 
to be baptized. And I use this because basically what, what that is saying is if you really want to be close to God, you've got to be dunked, right? If, you, if you're going to be righteous with God, you have to be dunked. I've been baptized like three or four times, <laughs> right? Right. It's like I, I got baptized like three times while I was still a kid. And then, you know, when I, when I was like, oh, man, I was probably not really saved then. I got baptized again because I didn't understand this, right? Um, here's why that's kind of crazy. That, also, that teaching also believes that if you're on the way to church to get baptized, something happens and you're in a car accident, guess what? Well, should have got dunked sooner, right? That is not the gospel. Jesus plus anything is a false gospel. The gospel plus anything is a false gospel. That Jesus plus confirmation classes, church attendance, right? Jesus plus good works, cleaning up your life, dressing a certain way, all that is a false gospel. The gospel is Jesus and what he has done, his death, his resurrection. And anytime you attempt to add something, you've distorted that gospel. I could preach a whole message just about this, right? About different ways that, that we've taken the gospel. And, and listen, I'm not even saying that we purposely do it. Like, I remember there's, there's times that I just believed stuff that was wrong just because that's where I was. I hadn't learned any better. I, I didn't know any better. I was still growing, which, by the way, that's what Christianity is. It's growing. If you ever feel like you're done, you need to examine your heart. You need to examine something, right? People trying to deserve the sacrifice of Jesus, oftentimes what they end up doing is alienating themselves from the peace of God. Number two, the second gospel distortion is gospel distortion by subtraction, right? This is when we assume that we can accomplish our salvation without Jesus altogether. Now, here's what this sounds like, and you might have heard people say this. Maybe at one point you've said this in the room maybe hopefully this will help you and clear this up. And, and I really pray that it's helpful. Here's how this sounds. That basically all religions, Christianity included, are the same. They're all just different paths to get to the same God. And if you want to take the Jesus path, that's fine. But if you want to take a different path, that's fine too. And as long as you're a good person and you work hard and you do the right things, in the end, you can make yourself right with God. That's why we have in America so many people that walk around professing Jesus as a Christian, but they have no real idea because they believe that a set of beliefs gets them to salvation. As long as you're a good person, as long as you you walk right. Please, please hear me, church. That is a gospel distortion. This is where Christianity is essentially different from every other belief and, and, and religion on the planet. Paul, again, he says it in Ephesians chapter 2 that salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone. It doesn't happen by good works. 
It means that I was lost, spiritually dead, stuck in my sin. Jesus came after me. He did everything needed to pull me up out of the muck and mire. There are no other ways. No one outside of Jesus can give you spiritual life. And anytime you subtract from the gospel of Jesus Christ, you make Jesus himself out to be a liar and you distort the gospel. Now, I know that sounds harsh, but Paul's saying that. He's saying that by distorting the gospel, you're deserting the one who brought the gospel, the one who who started your salvation, the one who accomplished your salvation. And here's kind of the point that I wanna get to today as we close. If you don't remember anything else from today, please remember this. And as the band goes ahead and comes up and prepares, here's what Paul is teaching. That no other, or that another gospel is no gospel at all, right? He's saying that you're believing another gospel, which is not really a gospel. If you subtract anything from what Christ has done, you change the gospel. If you add anything, you change the gospel. And by changing the gospel, you completely lose the point of the gospel and the strength of the gospel. When you lose it, you, you miss out on experiencing the freedom that that gospel provides. So this is why Paul goes on in uh, verses eight and nine. It says, although if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than the one we have preached to you, let him be cursed. As I said before, I say it now again. If anyone preaches any other gospel to you than the one you have received, let him be accursed. Paul is using some very strong language there to call out these, these false teachers because he's saying, listen, these dudes and anybody like them preaching a message like this is not the true and accurate gospel, so you need to not listen to them. Let that person be cursed. And then he, he repeats himself. And if anyone, your neighbor, your boss, your coworker, friends, your favorite preacher, your favorite author, if anyone preaches to you a different gospel, let that person be under the judgment of God. Why such a strong rebuke by Paul? Is he mad? You know, he's talking about the love of, uh, the love of Christ and the unending grace and, and salvation. And now he's using this strong language. But here's why, and the answer is really simple. Gospel distortion endangers the eternities of people. Gospel distortion, you see, y'all should have said amen right there. We're gonna have to get that coffee back, Rach. Gospel distortion endangers the eternities of people. When you start taking things away, when you start adding things to Christ, you put people at risk at believing a message that cannot save them. And that's why Paul steps up and attacks the message because he understood that the souls of people were in line. And I believe that there's some of us that, that walked in and you're thinking to yourself, man, I, I need this salvation that we've been talking about. 
I need this salvation. I believe that God's sovereign. I, I, I believe that I'm broken. I believe that I need it, right? That, that could be you. Maybe you've been believing a, a gospel distortion. You've been believing that you have to pull your life together, that you have to get your life fixed, that you have to clean yourselves up, and you have to make some things right. Today, I, I, I pray that God has revealed to you that neither <laughs> of things, whether or not you're, you're adding or subtracting, neither of these are, are, are gospels. Neither of these are, are true. Jesus is the only one that can save, not us. And so if you're in this room today and you're one of those people that's like, hey, that's me. I need what Jesus bought for me. I need peace with God. I need grace of God. I want to be adopted into that family. I, I just want to ask you, I want to help you to receive that gift right now. So if you would, bow your head and close your eyes all around this place. Nobody looking around. I'm going to ask my leaders too, just to kind of give some privacy right now. If you're that person that knows that you need the gospel today, I just want to ask you to raise your hand and just wave it at me. This is between you, me, and God right now. You're saying, I need that gospel. I need Jesus to be my savior. Maybe you've never accepted him before. If that's you and you're watching online, just do us a favor and, and uh, shoot us a message or something like that or, or give us like a little hands up emoji or, or, or something like that so we know that that's you. I want to tell you that if that's you today, the Bible says that it's, it's, that it's as simple as acknowledging that you are a sinner, acknowledging that you need Jesus and that Jesus is the only one that can save you and, and that what he did 2,000 years ago was enough. And then finally you confess that he is Lord, that he, he was raised from the dead, he's king. And the Bible teaches that if you believe and you'll confess that God will save you. So if you need to make that decision again, just raise your hand. We'll give one last time. Okay. Second thing I want to ask you is if you're in this room today and maybe you've been kind of carrying around that brokenness and that, that burden that I talked about because you're saying, man, I'm a Christian and I believe the gospel, but I walk around with such shame and such guilt because of my sin and my past that oftentimes it keeps me from truly walking in the freedom that Christ has given me. If that's you, I just want you to raise your hand in this place today. I see that hand. Thank you. I see that hand. Anybody else? Anybody else? Again, online, just... 
shoot us a message. We just wanna know we're not trying to embarrass you or call you out. We just wanna know, we just wanna rejoice. Listen, God's given us a big vision and every time somebody gets closer with God or accepts God, we rejoice with you. And so it's nothing to be ashamed about. It's nothing to be embarrassed about. I just want you to let us know. For those of y'all that did raise your hands, I'm gonna pray over you and just, if you would, everyone around, just in your own words, just pray for them. God, we pray right now against the burden of sin, just trying to creep back and, and take somebody's mind off of what the gospel has really done for them, God. I pray that right now they lay down the weight and the burden and the, the, the heaviness of walking around knowing that they can't save themselves, but trying. God, we pray that right now. We, we acknowledge that, that you paid it all for us and that your sacrifice was pleasing to God enough for him to accept it. He accepted your sacrifice on our behalf so that we can be right with him. Lord, I pray that we walk around in that freedom. And Lord, I pray that those burdens that we're laying down and that bondage that we're laying down, that we never pick it back up. And instead, Lord, let us be propelled forward to tell others about the gospel because the world needs the church to tell about the gospel. The world doesn't need the church to just be mad at them, to bash them. The, church, the, the world needs the church to share the gospel. And we thank you, Lord. Thank you that not only is the gospel something that is overarching for all people, but it's also extremely personal to each individual person. And we thank you for that. We give you praise and all God's people. Let's give him praise in this house this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.